We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. We are episode 201. So we have passed that big number. We are now into the next stage, heading up to our 300th episode. Thank you for making the first 200 episodes as fun as possible. Uh, I am your host tonight, Jacob Westendorf, uh, joined by Tyler Grezegorek. Andy Herman had some issues he had to take care of, so he is unable to record tonight. So unfortunately, you get to downgrade and get to us instead. Tyler, we just finished one podcast, so why not another, right? I could talk Packers all day, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're actually going to start, uh, Tyler, this is inspired a little bit on the show you did recently uh, with Mike Wenland, and it was your guys, well, really it was your edge rankings. I don't remember uh, Mike's all that specifically off the top of my head. Maybe that's because you and I have spoken since then, and he and I have not. Uh, But if you want to go through real quick, edge rusher, obviously a huge area of need for the Green Bay Packers, uh, and that is whether or not Nick Perry comes back. Even if he does, still a big need for Green Bay uh, and a lot of stuff that the Packers need going forward. Uh, But really, their biggest need is that pass rusher. So let's start there and just kind of go through it with me real quick. I think you and I are both, and it's becoming kind of a consensus that In general, the agreement is that there are 
six players that are going to have first-round grades, and uh, those six guys might be interchangeable a little bit. I think we can agree on this, that number one, I think, is unquestioned. Uh, and unfortunately, it's another Ohio State Buckeye. It's really nice to see them continue to get the breaks that they do and have all these great players come there. Uh, I, I assume you have the same disdain for Ohio State that I do. But Nick Bosa is number one. I think there's no question about that. Uh, and then I think from there, do you feel as if it can be argued anyway that somebody could rank two through six to you differently and you wouldn't have too much of an argument? I think – I honestly think that it's Bosa at one, Josh Allen at two. And then I, I think three through six is where you really start to get to that – pick your poison type of argument with these guys and I think that Josh Allen just because he's so versatile and I think he's going to test out of the water at the combine that he is just going to separate himself from the rest of these guys uh, because these you know Ja'Kai Polite, Clellan Farrell, Brian Burns and Montez Sweat I would say three through six they're pretty I was pretty interchangeable maybe Montez Sweat is a little bit less interchangeable than the other but the point is is they number two, two is I would say three A C and D uh, is going to be polite Farrell Burns and Sweat. Okay, so that I mean that's completely fair. I think um, in terms of saying at least number one is that way. I actually have a different edge too, uh, which is where this discussion might get a little interesting. And that's not disrespectful to Josh Allen. I actually do think that two through six can be graded individually or differently, and I don't have too much of an argument. But uh, you kind of went through it. I think you just said yours in order by uh, whether that was by accident or not. I don't know. but um, So your rankings are Bosa, Allen, Polite, Farrell, Burns, Sweat. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah I think Bosa, Sweat, out of the – likely to go he's likely to move up uh, I think to be a day two pick but the other five guys the specific polite feral they're going to steal a lot of fluctuation so we actually get the draft in April so it's going to be a fun one to watch Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a fun process. It always is. So let's kind of get into that a little bit. My rankings, and again, these are always subject to change. I can't imagine Nick Bosa being displaced from the number one spot, but anything after this I think could. I actually have it right now as, let me pull my board up, how poor of me to not have that ready, Uh, but I actually have it as Bosa one. Uh, I have Brian Burns number two, Josh Allen number three, Ja'Kai Polite, four, Cleland Farrell, five, and Montez Sweat, six. Something else, you're not going to hear me argue a ton if you have Montez Sweat higher, but Tyler, let's start at the bottom, uh, as Drake would say. Uh, I don't listen to that kind of music, but I'm told he's pretty popular. Uh, But let's start at the bottom, and Montez Sweat is somebody to me who I think is very firmly in that edge six spot. Uh, And that's no disrespect. I think he has all the tools. Uh, I think I mentioned to you the other day he reminds me of Nick Perry, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think he's overly athletic like some of these other guys, and he doesn't do things as well as Cleland Farrell, who is somebody else I don't think is overly athletic uh, in terms of, you know, testing numbers and bend and all that sort of, you know, scouting term stuff. But if you're talking about ranking interchangeably, obviously uh, I can listen to an argument for Montez Sweat. I know uh, Locked On Packers Peter Bukowski has Sweat ranked relatively highly uh, and really likes him. I don't dislike him. I don't want to make it sound like that, but I do definitely like him less uh, than the other guys that I just mentioned. Is that kind of the assessment that you have of him? around the edge and if you want to get 
more info on that, a little bit more in-depth analysis, then feel free to go back and listen. Uh, but the condensed version is, you know, there's genuine concerns about his flexibility and his ability to better on the edge. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as being blown up to be. Same thing with Josh Allen. Uh, those are the same concerns for him. How that Montez Sweat would be a fantastic 3-4 edge defender. Uh, he just has all the tools. And the one tool that I think he has working very well for him is his natural length. And he knows how to use it. And I think that's the best part about his game. One of the, one of the first things I look for when I, I watch these guys' tapes is are they are they playing are they playing smart are they playing with good technique are they playing with their head up you know all of these things are pretty key indicators of who's going to be successful rather than just the physical tools because we've seen time and time again guys can come into the NFL and as long as they're good technically then they're going to be fine and obviously the guys who become Hall of Famers or all pros are the guys who are good technically and tremendous athletes so the first thing I look for is that foundation, is the technique. And obviously you can coach technique, and I think that's a lot of players with the athletic tools go uh, in the third round, second round sometimes. He has a fantastic job, and he's got some juice, and I think that's why I'd be okay with the Packers taking him. He's I, I'm one of my best values. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that he's somebody who I'm ecstatic if the Packers can pick him 30th. I don't think he'll be there, so don't like take this as gospel, obviously. I don't think he'll be there at 30, but I'm really happy if they can take him at 30 at 12. I don't want to say that I'm disappointed, but I would definitely prefer one of those first five guys uh, that I just mentioned. And we'll kind of go up the board from here. Uh, I have Cleland Farrell as the fifth guy. My reasoning for that is... Something that I read in another person's scouting report was that he was a try-hard player, uh, which there's nothing against that. That's obviously not a bad thing. A high motor is a good thing. I just worry in general about his athleticism as well, his ability to bend the edge. And what I'm looking for in the 12th overall pick is somebody who can be an all-pro player. Uh, With Cleland Farrell, I think he's going to be a very solid player. I just don't know if he's going to be that guy that you could plug him in and his ceiling is he is the best pass rusher on your team. So you have him ranked a little bit higher, Tyler, but is my criticism, or criticism might even be the wrong word, but is my assessment on that at least fair? No, it's very fair, and I think that that's why there's a lot of discussion with him possibly playing as a 4-3 defensive end uh, rather than a 3-4 edge defender, and I think it's, it's perfectly fair. Uh, I would probably lean towards the 4-3 uh, simply because he's not going to give you the juice that you're looking for. He's not as quick laterally. Uh, his, his short area quickness is rather lack, and that's going to be a key part of playing the edge in the NFL. Those key traits, I think it's something that you can uh, – don't think it's something you can strength. I feel you can get – see there's a natural – but you can get a lot stronger than, than what you were in college. And you can do, as far as not really quick, you can work on it to an extent. I think that he's better suited to be a 4-3 defensive end right now. I, I wouldn't mind giving him a shot at 3-4, but I don't think he's going to be ready for it right away. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that either. I think something else that I would like to see, say Green Bay took Cleveland Farrell 12th overall, something I want to see is instead of, Something the Patriots do uh, beautifully is they fit their scheme to their players instead of trying to fit the players to their scheme. That's something I think Mike Pettin is a good enough coach to do that. I certainly believe that he would do that were they to take uh, Farrell in that spot. You know, you mentioned Nick Bosa. I don't think we need to talk about him a ton. Uh, the next guy on my list is Ja'Kai Polite. I have him fourth as far as my edge ranking goes. And again, with my two through four guys specifically, I actually really do believe the gap between those three isn't that wide. Somebody could tell me, hey, I have Ja'Kai Polite as edge two, I have Brian Burns as edge four, and I have Josh Allen still there at third, or like you have Allen at two. I'm not going to argue too much with that. My concern with Polite, obviously, is 
kind of the same one I have with Brian Burns, and we'll get to that in a minute. But his ability to hold up as a run defender is a valid concern. I just personally, on my belief, I don't know how much that matters because I'm also a believer, and Tyler, you can tell me if you feel the same way, that Polite can step into your pass rush unit, and he's going to make an impact as a quarterback hunter right away. I know Polite is the first edge defender that I scouted after uh, the Packers season essentially ended, um, and I said that it took me like three plays to go, ooh, or oh my God, or something like that, and it was a Ja'Kai Polite spin move uh, against LSU. I think he's very good at knowing where he's at on the field. I think he's very athletic. He can win with speed, but the other thing I want to see is you know, you're not a one-trick pony. Because even if you have a one-trick that's a hell of a trick, eventually the NFL can figure out how to neutralize you, especially tr- true as you start to face some of the better teams, the better offenses, the better offensive – excuse me, better offensive linemen. But polite to me, I think he has counters. He can beat you inside or he can beat you with speed. His power rush, like you mentioned, you can get stronger when you get to the NFL. I think that's something he would do, but I do believe that he would be – an immediate, I don't want to say favorite, because I don't know how that all would work, obviously, but somebody who I would be willing to make as somebody I would be willing to bet very strongly could be a defensive rookie of the year candidate. How do you feel about Mr. Polite? I think uh, the same concerns that you have are the same that I have. Uh, And I think this is why, you know, earlier you pick your poison with this group of guys all of these rankings, because all have a tool, but one thing or two things that is not that is keeping them from being an elite prospect. And I think that Jakai Polite has a lot of elite traits. And that's not really my concern. The I, I think the run defense is my only legitimate concern with him. And you know you can get around it. You can you can scheme around it, but. In the NFL, smart coaches are going to attack your deficiency, and I don't think he's going to be a solid contributor in that department right away. Now, I'm not saying that he can't play against the run because he can. It's just that it's not as refined as you would want it to be, and that's understandable. These guys are coming out of college. They're not going to be NFL ready. It's not works, and that's understandable by what these guys need to work. And I think that's why he's number because – Josh Allen, I think, is very, very well-rounded, incredibly good player. I'm not as sure about his flexibility. Some, as some other realists, I guess you'd say, are. Rosa is just, he's just good at everything. So I think when you're starting to pick your battles, Ja'Kai Polite is a little bit less important to me than some of the other guys that I have on his list. Yeah, I agree, because... Uh, when it comes to the edge rushers, obviously, you know, the, the phrase is sacks are sexy, and they make up for a lot of different things. Obviously, if you are a pass rushing menace, Clay Matthews wasn't the greatest run defender early in his career, but we didn't care because he got 14 and, you know, 13 and a half and 10 sacks in his first two seasons. So I'm not too concerned about his ability to play the run if he's knocking the quarterback on his ass every other play, which is what it seemed like he was doing in that time frame. Josh Allen is next on my board at three. Obviously, you have him at two. Uh, But you mentioned, you know, there are some concerns about his flexibility. That's really the only thing for me. Like I mentioned, you could make him and Brian Burns interchangeable for me. Uh, I don't think that there's a huge difference. That would be the only concern I have. But something I do like about him is you mentioned versatility. The way that Kentucky used him kind of reminded me of the way Uh, that the Packers used Clay Matthews when he was in his prime. You know, he lined up on the edge. He lined up inside. He came through on stunts. Uh, He did a bunch of different things. Is that his biggest asset? Is Josh Allen's versatility, is that where his biggest asset in terms of the NFL lies? If I'm like Patton and I'm watching Josh Allen's tape and I I do on defense, Back to drafting this kid because I could put, I can literally, literally make my game plan around him, and he can be that guy that the Packers have been lacking for so long in a defender that you can scheme with, and you can have other teams scheming against. 
And that's something that they've missed for so long. I think Shagir Alexander is on his way, uh, if not already kind of in that tier of teams are actually scheming against him. Mike Daniels, they need that They need that presence at the linebacker position, whether it's outside or inside, that can that can make the quarterback think maybe more than he's supposed to, more than they originally intended. Make him identify where Josh Allen is on every single play. That's what Clay Matthews used to be to the Packers. And obviously, father time hit him hard, and he's not the same player he used to be. But I think that Josh Allen would be a perfect fit in Green Bay, and I think that a lot of teams are going to see his versatility. I think he could play in a 4-3 standing up if they really, really wanted him to. That's how first guy is. I think that Teams are going to see that, and it's going to—it's only going to push him up draft points. Yeah, I tend to agree. That's somebody who, you know, I don't like to play the whole. He won't be their game when it comes to uh, anybody really. As far as Nick Bose is the only one I feel really confident saying he won't be there. Uh, Josh Allen, I think, is another one that I feel pretty confident in saying he won't be available at twelfth overall as of February tenth here at seven thirty as we're talking. The next guy and the last guy we're going to talk about before we go into a uh, fan speak mock draft, which should be a lot of fun, is Brian Burns of Florida State. Uh, a lot of people that are Packers fans that are just scouting his helmet and his jersey are saying he's Jamal Williams, or not Jamal Williams, Jamal Reynolds 2.0. Uh, I reject that theory immediately. Uh, Jamal Reynolds played a long ass time ago. Uh, has nothing to do with what Brian Burns is now. The first thing that caught me, and maybe I would admit this too, if there's a flaw that I'm, I'm potentially falling in love with his athleticism, uh, because it really does. It jumps off the page. Uh, his ability to force fumbles. He has long arms. He's really fast. He's able to, again, beat you inside. Something I look at, you mentioned other head. Is their head up? Is their technique being solid? Something I look at for edge defenders is are they able to use their hands? Can they get the offensive tackles hands off of them? Can they get their hands into them and get rid of them? Are they able to do things like that? Burns, I believe, is able to do all of those things. Uh, And then you add in that he's a supreme athlete. I would not be surprised if he blows up the combine and is able uh, to push himself up those draft boards if he's not already wide up of those. But he's going to be somebody I think we're talking about. And you may be talking about these edge defenders in general as far as shooting up draft boards after the combine. Because I really think, you know, we already mentioned Josh Allen. Ja'Kai Polite is somebody I think that could kill the combine. Montez Sweat, even to a point, is somebody I think that could have a really good showing there. But what's your take? Why is Brian Burns fifth on your list? Uh, and where, you know, where are we kind of missing, I guess, the point on I have him two, you have him five? Yeah, so for me, Brian Burns, I feel like, is projecting more as a project at this point in time, albeit a tremendous player that he's gonna he has all the every single trait that you're looking for every single natural gift that you could give to an edge player he has that uh specifically you know i mentioned this on saturday but his stance is really weird to me and maybe it's because that just the way it goes up uh, it's gonna happen and i don't super impactful year one because of it, he, it's going to have to be because it putting his hands where they quicker. And when you're when you're not when you're not as strong as and you're definitely not going to be as well. You to get to your spot as quick as possible, and he's got the twitchiness to do that. But he is. His technique is just a little bit off in his stance because he's the way he's awkwardly curled up. I just don't like it personally, and I think that he's a he's an even an even bigger hindrance in the run game than Jakai Polite is. Jakai Polite at least is able to get up straight. Uh, he's getting his eyes in the backfield right away. He's getting his hands in place. Brian Burns struggles in the run game for the same reason, except he's he's because his stance is off and his when he attacks the offensive lineman, it's not necessarily the way that he should be and correctable don't get me wrong it's just more work to do than there is on Jakai Polite yeah I think that's fair uh, I just believe that his athletic you know you're mentioning his stance I noticed kind of the same thing I think that's easily fixable 
Uh, and it's something that I think that if the Packers have the right linebacker coach, they can figure that out during his first season uh, and make him somebody who, again, he's a potential all-pro. I know we all want the immediate impact. Maybe he's not uh, the impact that you want right away in year one. A comparison that I've given to him as a pass rusher strictly because he isn't used the same way as Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was really light in the pants uh, the same way that Brian Burns is. But I think that's something that's correctable. Leonard Floyd, you're kind of starting to see come into his own a little bit in Chicago. So something to keep a monitor on. We're going to actually move now and do FanSpeak is a wonderful tool. They have their on-the-clock simulator uh, for mock drafting. And today we are going to use Matt Miller's board and the user-voted team needs. Users tend to know what they think, or not the user-voted, I'm sorry, fan-voted team needs. They tend to know a little bit better of what the Packers need as opposed to somebody who's a national pundit because that's how you get people saying they need a running back in the first round, and of course they're never going to do that. So we're going to jump in. The Packers have the 12th overall pick. I am, since I'm the host, sorry, Tyler, that's just how this is going to work. I am Brian Gutekunst, and you get to be Russ Ball or Mark Murphy or whoever the hell you want to be, quite honestly. Let's call you Reggie McKenzie. He's more likable than those guys, and I imagine he'll be back at some point anyways. Uh, let's go here. So on the clock, we have Nick Bosa to the Cardinals, Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, Ed Oliver, Jonah Williams, Cleland Farrell, Jalen Ferguson, Ja'Kai Polite, Greedy Williams, and Jeffrey Simmons are off the board. The Packers are now on the clock. Best players available, according to this board specifically, are... Rayshon Gary is at the top, the defensive lineman from Michigan. Uh, probably projects better as an interior defensive lineman uh, than he does as an edge defender. Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. Devin Bush, the other linebacker from Michigan. Byron Murphy, the cornerback from Washington. And Brian Burns, the edge rusher from Florida State. So, assuming this is what the board looked like, Tyler, I've mentioned a couple names. And if there's somebody else, you can ask me if they're available. I'll happily look if that is the case. Uh, just be sure to tell me a position. I probably know who they are, but just in case I don't, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Uh, who in this position are you telling me, hey, Brian, this is our guy. This is the 12th overall pick. Take him now. Did you say Ed Oliver was available? Ed Oliver is not. Uh, Rayshon Gary is available. No, I, no I, I have no interest in Rayshon Gary at 12. Um, I think I'm going to go with the linebacker here. I'm looking at Devin White. Uh, out of LSU, that's the way that the Packers need to go. To address the premium talent, so they need to finally do that. Okay, so you like Devin White here in this spot. My argument would be back to you again. Uh, Tyler, how much, or Reg, whoever we decided to were, Reggie, <laughs> how much higher do you have Devin White at a position that we don't really value? And we did just spend a lot of draft capital to get Oren Burks. I know Blake Martinez is in his contract year. We may like him enough to re-sign him. Do you like him that much more than Brian Burns, who plays a position that is more valuable and really at a position of need? Now, I know we don't pick based on need around here, but is it that big of a difference to where we're going to go with him? I think Devin White has the ability to be more a much more dynamic playmaker than Burns will be, and I think he can do it sooner as well. All right. Well, we're going to get hired or fired based on this pick, so I'm going to go with Devin White, uh, the inside linebacker from LSU, and we're going to stick him next to Blake Martinez and give Mike Pettin those inside backers. Hopefully we can recreate to some degree what the 49ers had once upon a time with Navarro Bowman and uh, Patrick Willis. So the board is now going through. Uh, Brian Burns was just picked by the Titans at 19. DK Metcalf, Byron Murphy came off the board. It is now the 30th overall pick. And here we sit right now. Dwayne Haskins is still on the board. Reggie, I think we can kind of assume we're not going quarterback early, even though the value here is pretty solid. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I okay. Okay, so we're not going quarterback. Available on the board, we have some skill players now. TJ Hawkinson from Iowa is available. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma. Noah Fant, Irv Smith, and Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle from Washington State, is available. Uh, is there anybody I haven't mentioned that you would like to look at here at 30th overall? Is there somebody whose name I said that you were like, 
never mind. Pick that guy right now. You know, I think on the top, uh, where this is where the Packers draft gets really interesting. Um, and we could take at, we could also take at 30, and that will be relatively equivalent. If the key figuring out where those runs are going to be. And I think that we're at the point where there's going to be a run on tight ends. So I'm saying, give me the tight end, give me a TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, I think he fits this Packers offense really well as well. Matt LaFleur also told me he prefers Hawkinson. That doesn't mean he doesn't like Noah Fan or Irv Smith. If those guys are available at 44, that's something else. We could even talk about doubling up. But for right now, I think I agree with you. We're going to go TJ Hawkinson, 30th overall. So that is who the Packers have taken. Give me a little bit of time here as the board goes through. We're going to go to the second round now. Uh, Obviously, to recap real quick, we have Devin White and TJ Hawkinson on board. Still need a pass rusher. Uh, Still probably need some help at wide receiver, running back, offensive line. Uh, And we'll just kind of get to some of... You know, what's going on here as everything goes through? The 43rd overall pick has just been selected. 44 is now us. We are on the clock. So, available. Some picks that went, that went uh, in front of us. Juwan Taylor was taken. Noah Fant was taken. Hollywood Brown. Nikhil Harry. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Paris Campbell. A lot of receivers have been taken recently. So some names on the board at some different positions. Nasir Adderley is available, the safety from Delaware. Uh, We could obviously use some safety help. Mac Wilson's available as a linebacker. I think that uh, spending two top 50 picks on a linebacker on the inside, probably not the smartest thing we could do. Debo Samuel, the slot receiver from South Carolina, is available. Garrett Bradbury from NC State. And Dalton Reisner. Uh, the offensive tackle, offensive guard from Kansas State. So, Reggie, what are we looking at here? There's a lot of picks available. I honestly think if we were in a position where I could make trades, I might be willing to trade down a little bit. But that's not an option in this mock, unfortunately, so we have to plug and pick. So is there anybody there whose name got your uh, got your mind spinning a little bit? Yeah, I'm looking at that. It kind of sucks that at the time, run. it looks like it was a wide receiver run instead uh and you know maybe we're not going to get one of those top pass catchers from this year but i think you know dalton reisner sitting there at 44 i think this is an match made in heaven i know uh there's this writer his name is rasa he's out, he's out there on twitter he's talking about him all the time but the point is uh we need to change the demeanor the attitude uh of the group in- general and i want to see i want to get this guy on the team he's a football player so my my chips are being pushed in on Dalton reisner i'm with you i think the only one that maybe could make me think differently is debo samuel we do need a slot receiver however uh his demeanor and that nastiness that you mentioned i also listen to the packers war room podcast uh which has a very interesting take that an interview with him that ross uglum guy was on there and Jacob Westendorf and Cody Bowers on there, and I think uh, they all said that they like him uh, pretty good. And as far as I'm concerned, Jacob is very knowledgeable and very handsome. So we're gonna go with that. <laughs> we're gonna go with that as well. Dalton Reisner actually reminds me of what we kind of hoped T.J. Lang could be. He ended up being a guard for us, but I thought when we picked him at the time, he could have played tackle also. Uh, so I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go Dalton Reisner as well here, 44 overall. And we're going to play him at right guard here to start uh, his his career. But he could very easily be an option next year for right tackle when Brian is done playing. Because uh, I imagine Balaga is not going to be here much longer. So Dalton Reisner is the pick. So now we have Devin White, TJ Hawkinson, and Dalton Reisner uh, added to this roster. I like the way right now that we've added we've added some help to the front seven. Maybe not a pass rusher. Uh, And that'll be something we'll probably get some concern on. I don't know who we signed in free agency because for some reason the draft moved to February and we weren't able to sign anybody yet. So right now it's looking like we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to spend some money on the free agency side of things. But the 75th overall pick is now available. We are on the clock again. Again, Garrett Bradbury, the interior offensive lineman from NC State. Riley Ridley, the wide receiver from Georgia. David Montgomery from Iowa State, 
Damian Harris is a running back that's available. Caden Smith is another tight end that's available. Uh, what is there anybody or a position that you think here right now the best available edge rusher is Chase Winovich, uh, the long-haired guy that will probably remind some of our fans of Clay Matthews from Michigan. Is it time to maybe reach on him, or is there somebody there that you're looking at uh, that you think would be a better selection at this point in time? Andre Walker still available. Andre Walker. Remind me again, what position is he at there? He's an edge player. Andre Walker was taking actually three picks just before us, so that's unfortunate. Dang it. I don't think we reached on Chase Winovich. Uh, okay, so are you thinking wide receiver? Riley Ridley's available. Uh, JJ, our Sega Whiteside is available. Or are we looking maybe tight end? We could double up with Caden Smith. Really rebuild that tight end room for when Jimmy Graham is probably not going to be here next year. Yeah. Oh, safety. Uh, let's see. Safety-wise, there's not a lot left. Uh, Amani Hooker actually is available. I like him a little bit. We've had some success with some Iowa defensive backs. Red wine out of Miami. Let's see. Uh, Jaquan Johnson's available, but it appears his teammate is not available. We're really struggling with this third round. That's something else we got to think about here, man. Is we've got a lot of uh, failures as our third round picks in recent memory as well. We have not done well in this round. Mm. Okay. Uh, defer to you, Brian. We'll go. We'll go. Yeah, we'll what go this route. Uh. You know, I'm thinking, I look at some of these guys, uh, we have some pass-catching talent in our room uh, for wide receivers and such, and there's just so many receivers here that are really good, and I think we can get one a little bit later. Or again, free agency hasn't happened yet, so maybe we can find Golden Tate or Cole Beasley or Adam Humphreys or somebody like that. I am actually, I know it's going to be strange and maybe our fans are going to be pissed, but I don't think there's that big of a difference there is a difference, obviously. we got T.J. Hawkinson, but I don't think there's that big of a difference between Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and Irv Smith, who we all really liked. And I have Caden Smith just below that group, uh, right there with Isaac Nauta from Georgia. I think taking him, he's somebody who can jump in right away. Uh, our head coach uses a lot of two tight end sets. I think that's somebody that I would really like. I'm actually going to go Caden Smith here, 75th overall. We're going to get nasty in this front here. Hawkinson can block. Reisner, we mentioned. You want to talk about changing culture and stuff like that. Caden Smith is available to do that as well. So I'm going to take the tight end, and we're going to move on to the fourth round here uh, and maybe start looking a little bit. Um, again, maybe it's pass rusher. Maybe it's safety. Maybe you look at another cornerback. Maybe a running back. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that is available here. So just to recap for everybody here again, we have Devin White, and we have TJ Hawkinson. We have Dalton Reisner, and we just took Caden Smith, 75th overall. So we doubled up on this deep tight end class. So everybody that has been complaining about us not picking tight ends in the draft can shut up because we've taken two of them in this draft, which is known as really deep, and we agreed with them when they said that. So the fourth round is underway, Uh, 109-110. We're getting closer and closer to the Packers pick here, 114. We are now on the clock. So we're looking here. David Sills from West Virginia, the wide receiver. Daryl Henderson from Memphis is available. A lot of receivers actually on here. Andy Isabella, Darius Slayton, Jacoby Myers, Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, Dexter Williams, a running back. It really looks like the top of this board right now is either a running back or a wide receiver. Now, we haven't taken either one of those. We like our running back room uh, with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Is this where we take another running back? Uh, I was thinking because the pack that we could wait um, and see if this guy falls. I think Andy Isabella would be a good pick here. You mentioned having a slot receiver. Uh, I think he steps in right away and is able to contribute in that role. Yeah, and he looks like Julian Edelman, so that's got to be a positive thing, right? So Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. So I agree with you. I think receiver is the spot here. It's kind of the sweet spot. We kind of whiffed on Jamon Moore, but we still like him. So 
Uh, but adding a little competition to the room can't hurt. And Isabella, I think, could seamlessly step in to this slot receiver position. We're going to take him right here, and we have another pick coming up pretty quickly. We traded HaHa Clinton Dix for. I'm still not sure how the Washington Redskins thought that was a good idea, but bless their hearts for doing so. We are back on the clock. Daryl Henderson is the only running back that is gone. Ryan Bates and Jermaine Pratt, the linebackers, are gone again. So the top of the board, again, looks like a lot of running backs, uh, a couple wide receivers, but we just took one. Obviously, we're not afraid to do that again. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, the interior lineman's available. Ross Pierschbacher, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. I wasn't paying that much attention in the uh, interview portion of this draft. He's available. Is there something else uh, that you think that maybe I should look around for here? Yeah, I think that works really well also. I mean, and even if Reisner doesn't work out as a tackle, say we got a chance next year to get another tackle, then we could easily say Lindstrom and Reisner are guards. You kind of alluded to that. Lane Taylor uh, has done a good job, but he's in the last year of his contract next year. Uh, so we could be looking at a potential replacement. And the reality is our guards didn't play that well last year. I think that we have – I think we would agree that when we're healthy, uh, we have two really good tackles and a really good center. I think that guard position is something – you can find a lot of value on. Unfortunately, we took a couple swings last year, and it didn't work out with Byron Bell. Uh, Cole Madison hasn't worked out. We wish him the best in whatever it is he's doing. When he's healthy, he'll obviously be welcome. But I don't think that we can count on him to be anything for us at this point. And if he is, it's a bonus. So I'm with you. I'm going to take Chris Lindstrom from Boston College uh, as our guard here, and we have rebuilt that position. I also think that it's very possible that Lindstrom could start uh, plug and play day one if that is something that we're able to do. So just to keep everybody on track again, we have selected Devin White, TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Reisner, Caden Smith, Andy Isabella, and now the guard from Boston College. Uh, and we've rebuilt the offensive line, I believe, going into the fifth round here where we have one more pick, uh, and we're going to be on the clock here relatively shortly as everything gets going here. Uh, and this is where the fifth round is where we've done really well, actually, in recent years. So we are good at finding hidden gems. We are on the clock now at 151. And like I mentioned, Micah Hyde, Aaron Jones, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did some good things for us uh, in the fifth round as a fifth-round pick last year. So here's where it gets a little interesting, and I want to ask your opinion this, Reggie, because our wide receivers coach is the former coach of Preston Williams. Now, with just his play, I think Preston Williams could have been a second-round pick. But he does have that character concern, those things that happened earlier in his life. Uh, is this somebody, though, where the value here is too much to pass up? Because he is sitting there. I know we took a receiver, but this is a guy who is really talented. But is his character concern too much uh, for us to worry about? And we have a lot of receivers in our room. Should I look somewhere else? That it could, like you mentioned, he could be a first-round talent. On uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, we could never use enough weapons for him. The only other player I could see on this board that I would want to have a discussion about in regards to that is Miles Gaskin, uh, the running back from Washington. I know that Twitter has what they're calling the Miles Gaskin Hive. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but those guys seem to really like him. 
Is that somebody that you would pass on this potential first-round talent for Miles Gaskin, or is it better to take the receiver considering we're not all that interested in running the ball anyways? All right, so here's what I'm going to do. And I know I said earlier that we can't do trades, but what I'm going to do is the sixth and seventh round are really preferred undrafted free agents. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Preston Williams here because he's ranked higher on our board. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take our two sixths and our seventh. We got one for Brett Hundley. I'm going to trade back into the fifth round here, uh, right around 165 overall, which is where we're at right now. And I'm going to take Miles Gaskin with that pick because then I think we've added a lot to our offense. We've added another running back. And to close everything out then, what we have is once I've made that pick, and I have, is Devin White, TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Reisner, Caden Smith, Andy Isabella, Chris Lindstrom, Preston Williams, and Miles Gaskin. So we're going to have to go talk to the media about this. Our strengths, obviously, we've added a couple tight ends. Uh, and we think that those are going to be a big thing for our offense. We really wanted to focus on getting more weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Our offense was not as good as it could have been last year, uh, and we think adding the competition to the room is certainly helpful. Uh, and obviously, Miles Gaskin, I think he could be a plug-and-play in the return game and obviously as a, as a change-up, change-of-pace type back to Aaron, Aaron Jones, even though they're relatively similar. This puts Jamal Williams in a better spot, too, because he can be used relatively sparingly in terms of short yardage and stuff like that. So the biggest weakness here, obviously, is somebody's going to ask, why did you take Devin White instead of Brian Burns when your pass rushing talent obviously is not there? Uh, We had chances to take other guys. Rayshon Gary could have been in consideration at 12 overall. We obviously agreed that that wasn't a big consideration. We didn't talk about that a whole lot. But we didn't add anybody at the edge position, and that's kind of what happened last year as we could have gone through everything. So... Is that really the only weakness of this draft? Because otherwise, I'm relatively pleased. Like you mentioned, we rebuilt the guard position. Reisner could potentially play tackle if Brian Balaga misses some time. Hawkinson and Caden Smith, those are, in my opinion, top 70 players in this draft. And we got Caden Smith 75th overall. I think that's great value, personally. Uh, and then, you know, the big one's going to be Devin White. Is is he good enough, like, say, Roquan Smith, or some of those inside backers that have been taken relatively high to justify that 12th overall selection? Well, I just I think that we might see a similar situation to what we saw Brian Gutekunst do with Jair Alexander last year, where he's going to, he's not going to reach for somebody, he's going to have his guy, and what he's going to do is if he values that guy at a certain level, whether it's a, higher than 12 or below 12, He's going to position himself to take that guy. Now, if that means you take Brian Burns and he values Brian Burns as a 16th overall pick, he's going to do what he can to get in position, probably to trade down, and then still take Brian Burns and add more value to his team. And that that's perfectly fine with me, and that's something that we could have discussed. Now, I'm looking at this, and yes, it's... it's not ideal that we walk no edge rushers, period. Um, that position is semi the back they match using an ideal uh, trade partner somewhere where you can develop those had a solid edge group and and I think safety's way more than these guys and if we so thing we do up the offense for the long day, the long haul, I'm mess of Aaron Rodgers' career. This offense is to take shape for the next five years. You have pieces in place to be there for the next championship run. You can add the defensive pieces as you go. I know that the, the defensive side of the ball has been rather neglected in the past few years. Uh, as far as like premium talent, they've obviously spent, spent a lot of draft capital at certain positions. However, this thing to take, you're getting Matt LaFleur, the wants, they 
to make his offense work with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's something to really hang your hat on. Yeah, I think that, you know, like I mentioned, we have that offensive line. We feel really good about that group. We feel really good about that group for both now and the future to add some depth there. The tight end position obviously was a boon there. We got two receivers, one of which is kind of a wild card, a lottery ticket that we took on Preston Williams, but that's one he's boomer bust, and if he busts, he was a fifth-round pick, so it's not a lot to cut him. Andy Isabella might be able to play the slot position right away, and having some competition in that room uh, isn't a bad thing, especially considering, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the best, and granted, we may never be able to replicate this again, but Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Michael Finley, that was phenomenal. Now, we may not be able to do that, but for this upcoming season, if we can get one of those two receivers to contribute some organic growth from guys like ESB and MBS, uh, that'll be helpful. Devontae Adams is a stud. We're hopeful for Jimmy Graham, but we also have some contingency plans in place in case... He doesn't perform the way that we were hoping when we gave him that contract. You know, Devin White at 12 overall, he was the best player on our board at that point, and that's who we took. Uh, and realistically, I deferred to uh, Reggie here, so if Devin White sucks, then it's going to be it's going to be Reggie's fault, and you're going to get fired, and I'm not. So that's a, that's a positive there for me as well as far as self-preservation goes. That's the only joke I'm going to make. And then you add in we got Miles Gaskin as well. Uh, pass catching back can make some plays in the return game. Uh, the running back passing game, obviously, Lafleur has had a lot of success with that. So it's a strong draft class, and we have about $50 million in cap space to spend here. So the reality is we're going to have to, since the draft is on February 10th for some reason, before free agency starts, we're going to have to spend some money on one of those guys that becomes available, if not two, probably have to keep Nick Perry around for one more year if this is how it played out. And then the safety position, we kind of ignored that too. Uh, I shouldn't say we ignored it. We considered Nasir Adderley, uh, but we thought TJ Hawkinson and Dalton Reisner were better selections at that point. So that's what we did there. Going to have to spend some money there as well. Maybe that means Earl Thomas. Maybe that means Trey Boston. Maybe that means LaMarcus Joyner. There's a lot of options that we have as far as free agency goes to get those guys in here uh, and fill some of our needs. So that is the end of us pretending to be other people. Um, we are now back to just being Jacob and Tyler again. Pretty solid class there, I think. Um, you know, like I mentioned, this is the first time that I've done about four of these today, and this is the first time I've actually had a chance to pick one of those top six edge rushers. So that was interesting to me uh, that it's worked out that way. And if the board's going to fall that way, the reality is Green Bay may very well have to trade up or, like we just were talking about, spend some money on those pass rushers. But in general, Tyler, I thought we did a pretty good job there uh, addressing some of the needs. Again, obviously, I think fans are going to be pissed if it's not a pass rusher. Picked 12th overall and especially pissed if they don't take one at all. But, you know, the reality is with the way that board fell, there was never anybody that I thought fit where we were at. Uh, so that's something where, again, Gutekunst and the Packers, the reality of their situation is I think they need good players everywhere. Um, and that's where that's where the Packers are at at this point. So I'm, I, I, don't, I don't think we reached on anybody. I think we did a relatively good job on, you know, staying with the board. And granted, this is somebody else's board also. That's that's another reality. But we stayed with the board and what was available. I don't, anyway, a top 10 pick. I don't either. Uh, you know, and that, the other reality is, like, in this draft also, some other things to keep in mind was Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray were both second-round picks. Uh, that's not going to happen. You know, Dwayne Haskins is going to be picked relatively high, and I think Kyler Murray is as well. So there were no quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, which made it to where, you know, some of the other edge rushers. I really do think, now granted, again, this is as of February 10th, but if the draft were tomorrow, I would be willing to bet you that, like in this particular simulation, Brian Burns was the only one available. I would bet you two or three of those guys are available when Green Bay's on the clock. And another like semi-bold prediction I'm going to make, I will not be surprised if one of the other guys, like let's just say they take Ja'Kai Polite at 12. I won't be surprised if someone like Montez Sweat or Brian Burns or somebody like that is falling down the board a little bit 
and available for Green Bay. Maybe not to get at 30, but to potentially trade up for if they wanted to double dip as they've done in the past. So I think that's something that could happen. So it's not the most realistic setting, uh, but it's as close to that as we can get. And it was fun. So Tyler, do you have anything else before on this particular draft before we sign off? Because we are way over time. Yeah, and I think something at the end there, one thing I would like to potentially see is Green Bay being aggressive with those later round picks to move back into the first five rounds. Again, I really do believe the draft is about five rounds long, maybe four, but five if it's, you know, the Packers have had a lot of success in the fifth round. So four to five rounds, uh, being aggressive there at the end was me kind of proving I cheated, but I'm kind of proving a point there as well as trading those two sixth and a seventh to get Miles Gaskin. I mean, that's way better in my opinion than maybe not getting Gaskin in the sixth round and taking, you know, a flyer on two guys or three guys really with the seventh round picks. Uh, and we also did this without compensatory picks, so we don't know how those are going to shake out either. I would imagine Green Bay is not going to be in line for anything uh, too spectacular, which is fine. But that's going to do it for this edition of Packaday. Thank you guys for listening. Follow the show. It's on at Packaday Podcast. Subscribe. Give us a rating. All that fun stuff. You can follow Tyler. He's at Tyler underscore Grez, G-R-E-Z. Fun talking edge rushers and NFL draft in general with you today, Tyler. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Thank you guys for listening to the show. I apologize again for the timing, but that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I, at least, am willing to do this if uh, Zach Jacobson or some of the other guys that I've partnered with are able to do so. But thank you guys for listening. It's almost combine time. Enjoy the Alliance American Football League, which is currently on my television. Arizona is driving to take a commanding lead over the Salt Lake team. I promise by the next time you guys hear me talk, I will have learned the names of these teams. So I apologize for that. But thank you for listening. And as always, Go Pack Go! Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Yes! Adams! Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the challenge, and Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Devontae's got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.